0: If you don't have a Bible, we have ones that are in the seats backs that you can you can use there. And as you can see on the well, first of all, as you can see, I'm not Pastor Aaron, (laughs) not quite as good looking, larger. I'm working on it. okay? Uh, but Pastor Aaron's not here. Him and his family are on vacation this week. They're um, taking a much needed vacation. So I would just ask that you guys keep them in prayer as they're traveling. And and uh, don't we have an anointed pastor here at the church, yeah. <laughs> we got some clappers in the house. All right, so the, the other thing I wanted to say too, just please keep my wife in your prayers. Uh, she wanted to be here, and she's like, I was going to surprise you today, um, but even if she wanted to, she couldn't because we got a flat tire on my car, so, <laughs> so we'll, we'll have it streamed in the, in the next service, but I want you to open to the book of Ephesians. Open to the book of Ephesians. As, you, uh, as they put up the screen here for more, this is going to be our August series, and it's called More. As we were praying for this August and what God wants to say, you know, in our established series that we've been having all, honestly, every single, uh, every single service throughout this year has really been based out of that thought of being established. And a lot of those verses that we really feel are speaking to our church right now Foundationally, come from this book, from the book of Ephesians. And as pastor, myself, Val, as the leadership has been praying over this month, we really feel that, that God wants us to really just dig into this book. And we're going to systematically, we're going to go through this book. So it's going to feel a little bit different than some of the series that we've had recently with some of the stories. But, but there is some thick truth in this book. And the main verse for this whole series is in Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, everybody say more, more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That thought of immeasurably more Beyond what we can think, beyond what we can even imagine, it says that there's peace that surpasses understanding in God's word. There's like so much in that. I mean, we serve a God that we can't even fully comprehend, but if we could, would he be worth worshiping? You know, it's, it's just that thought. This book of Ephesians, I love this book because uh, really it digs in. I think, I think my favorite verse is, is uh, Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. <laughs> Yeah. Should we start in chapter six? do You think? Yeah. You know, there's, there's all the commands in, in God's word and it's easy to to pick out what we want. And, and I go, honestly, this book is divided in two halves. And that verse that I just read is really the hinge pin verse because it goes from theology to practicality. It goes from beliefs to behaviors and even in our membership class here at Wrightsville, we talk about our beliefs and we talk about our behaviors, but we say the behaviors eat our beliefs for breakfast. Because when somebody tells you they believe something, but they're doing something else, is that really what's in their heart? Is that really where they're coming from? If I if I say that I want, I want this and, and I believe this and then somebody sees me doing something different, don't they question what that looks like? Now Paul had to write to this Ephesian church because there's 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 so many things going on in this church. The the city of Ephesus was a major city. I mean, this was the capital of the Asia territory. And it's political. It's got crazy commerce. And right within the city, right within the city, there is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It's, it's a big, huge, massive temple for the goddess Artemis. So imagine, you know, Paul comes into this place and he starts to preach the gospel and people start getting saved. But there's just this looming uh, paganism that's just sitting right there. And he's trying to speak to that and he's trying to speak to how we should act with with how we believe. And it's that's got to be pretty hard. Now, we might not have a, a huge temple that's sitting right outside the door that's looming over top of us. But how many know that our culture is looming over us, that our culture wants us to worship in a different way? And we should look different, honestly. I mean, the Apostle Paul looks so different. in Acts nineteen, it says that, that people ran, were trying to run them out of town. There was a major riot because they were trying to sell stuff for the goddess Artemis, and he's messing up their business. But don't we feel that way sometimes in our culture that we're, we're messing up people's business? You know, that we see it all over the news. We see the political things that are happening, and. And all of it is pointing and saying like, no, you can't do it that way. No, no, no. Don't do it that way. But that's what the word says. Now, for, for me, for you this morning, I really want to dig into Ephesians 1 and 2. Just dig in. And really, my heart for you today is to really grasp, to really understand some of this theology, to really understand who God says that we are. I mean, we've been singing about it all morning. Who who he says that I am. Because if we don't understand our identity, there's no way we can live it out practically. You know, me and my wife in this, in this time of our life, it's honestly, I'd say it's the second hardest season of my life right now. But yet I will stand up here and I will share what I believe because I can stand on my identity and the promises of what God's told me. Amen. And that's what, I, that's what I choose to focus on. So we're going to start right in Ephesians 1.1. Ephesians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I love Paul's letters because he always affirms his relationship with the people. How many people know somebody that their spiritual gifting is pointing out your issues? If you if you don't raise your hand, then it's probably the person sitting next to you or it's yourself. (laughs) But I will tell you that a lot of times, Paul, I mean, could you imagine he sees some major issues going on here in these churches? He writes some scathing letters. I mean, he's rebuking, he's correcting and all these things. But he always starts out with affirmation. I have to think about my son. Uh, You know, when he learned to walk, he's starting to learn to walk and he's wobbling all around just this mass of stuff that's trying to move. And, 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 you know, when he takes his first step, I go, you missed it. You didn't get the second step. You're screwing up, man. No, I said, that's my son. That's my boy. And can I get real with you? Can I get real with you? Yeah. Well, my son is potty training right now. Okay. My son is potty training. And let me tell you, he went peeing the potty last week for the first time. That's my boy. Yeah. He also went pee on the wall and on the floor. <laughs> but that's my boy. And I don't stand there and I go, you missed it, son. You know, you missed it. No, you start with the affirmation of the relationship. And that, that's just a little nugget of truth. I'm not even in the message. But I, I just wanted to share that with you. A lot of times we want to just point out the issues with the church, don't we? And man, couldn't Paul do that? Couldn't he do that? I mean, he could see that they're, they're starting to dip into this pagan culture and they're starting to incorporate that into the atmosphere of what he had taught them but he always starts with the relationships first horizontally he says hey this is who i am to you i'm an apostle but you're you're the faithful in christ i love you grace and peace to you and now he's about to affirm who god is now he's about to say and he does this if you go systematically through each of his letters he always does this even in the book of philemon this little tiny book he always He always says, like, who he is to them. Hey, this is who I am. I love you. I care for you. This is who God is. That's how incredible he is. This is how cool he is. And then he he points out some of the issues. He says, you know, with that in mind, we have to take a look at things. And that's what he does here in the book of Ephesians. And I want you, if you do take notes, I want you to write down this word. God cares. Everybody say cares. Cares. God cares. Now, I don't usually preach with acronyms, but I couldn't help but just see some words that just pop off the page to me. They just look. They just like glare me in the face and I see them and I think, wow, how awesome is that? So I want to I want to start in verse three. It says, praise be to the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, every spiritual blessing Everything. He's blessed us with everything. There, now picture this for a minute. There's a husband and a wife, and they decide that they're gonna they're gonna go on a cruise together. So they save up all their money and they spend everything. They they spend practically the whole house just trying to go on this cruise, just trying to take some time together. Now the wife, she's an enterprising woman, so she decides, you know what? I'll, I'll make some some lunch meat. We'll we'll get some cheese. We'll, we'll put some stuff together. And they go on this incredible cruise. But every time that everybody's eating in the formal dining room, they steal off and they start to eat some cold cuts in their rooms. So every single time this is happening and the captain, he catches wind of this and he, he takes him aside at one point and he says, hey, hey, what's going on? Like, why aren't you eating with everybody else? And they said, well, you know, and, and sheepishly, they say, well, we don't have enough money. I mean, we, we spend everything to get on there. And he takes his, the ticket out. He goes, you don't understand. This is an all-inclusive trip. They, they aren't living up to their, the, the privileges that they had. And isn't it that way in our spiritual life? That sometimes, you know, the world's coming at us. Cancer's coming at my family and some things like that. And I can start to forget all of my privileges. It says every spiritual blessing. Every one of them. Now, what's about to happen in this poem as we, took, as we take a look at the fact that God cares what this is in the first section from, from verse 3 to, to verse 14, it's actually one big run-on sentence. It, it's like a poem. It, it's a hymn. Paul's basically, it's almost like he takes a dip, deep breath and goes, oh, and then he just talks all this stuff out. And I just think as we, as we dig into this, I just imagine like, you know what? He really Believe this stuff like this must have been so deep down inside of him that every breath he takes and then blows out. It's like God says, I'm this. God says, this is my spiritual blessings. This is all the things he's done for me. This is how incredible my God is. And sometimes we're just not living up to the to the privileges, to the spiritual uh, tenacity, to all those blessings that are available to us that we can receive from God. In the next verse, in, in verse four, it says this. For he chose. Everybody say chose. chose. That's the seed. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Holy and blameless. So God chose us. He chose us. In John 15, 16, it says you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. You know, as I read these verses and I look at my like, man, God chose me. He chose me. And then I see the, the word predestined and then I see elected and I start to. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at those words and I think, well, if God, if God chose me, did, did I really have a choice in this? You know, are, are there people that they're just bound for hell already and that's, that's how it goes? Or are there people that God already knew I was going to get saved, so what do I need to do? And why would I even really keep working if he already knows that I'm going there? No. No. It's not like that because Joshua twenty four fifteen the the word there chose is the same that God uses about the people of Israel. It's about a people. It's about a chosen people. And, and Joshua is the one who leads these people from Egypt into the promised land. And so they get into this promised land and they're all excited and things are going great. And Joshua says this at the end of his book and at the end of his time, he said, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you serve whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. He's saying that there's a choice. There is a choice. There can't be love without free will. There can't be. Free will is a necessary part of it. So, so then, I, then I struggle in my head with, well, what does that mean then to be chosen? I mean, how could I... How can he choose me, but then he chose me, but then I chose him? Like, which one came first? I, I don't understand. Let me tell you, our God is omniscient, which means that he's all-knowing. We think in terms of past, present and future, but all of it is present, future to him. All of it is available to him, and he can look at the whole timeline, and he can be here, and then he can say there." And then you know space and time don't even matter, and we can't even fully grasp that. It says, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard. no mind has conceived." What God has prepared for those who love him. No, we can't even conceive that. But I, I like to think about it this way. And I don't know why, where all the ship references come from, but <laughs> maybe it's coming off of our shipwreck series. But, um, but imagine just this, this ship that's, that's on its way and it's moving towards heaven. This is God's chosen vessel. It's the church. You choose to be on the ship. The captain and the pilot is Jesus. He's taking the ship and he's running the course, but we have to choose whether to be on or whether to be off. So there's a chosen people when we're on we become the the chosen people of God. And and that just talks about predestination, because when predestination is talking about the destination. So we already know the destination and when we get on the ship, that's God's chosen vessel. And it's moving towards heaven. And then as long as you stay on the ship, as long as you stay on the ship, you are the chosen people. We look at this in, uh, in Deuteronomy 7, 6. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people. His treasured possession. Can you imagine that? That's what God thinks about you. You're his treasured possession. Do we, do we walk that way? Do we really feel like that sometimes? I mean, I can be honest. Sometimes my feelings will tell me and I don't feel very treasured today. You know what? You got to tell your feelings that you're treasured. Sometimes we have to stand up to those feelings that well up inside of us. No, no, it says that I'm a chosen people. It says that I'm treasured. It's almost like he wants to put me on the shelf. I'm holy and blameless. And he wants to put me on the shelf like the fine china and show me off to the world. It says that I'm a trophy of his grace. How many of us feel like a trophy of God's grace? That's what he's telling us when he says that we are chosen. We're a chosen people. Chosen people. Back in Ephesians We go to Ephesians 5. And he says this in love, he predestined us for adoption. Everybody say adoption. Adoption Adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Adoption. The term adoption in the Bible is, is basically like a legal term in the Roman culture there. So it's basically like a, the, when they are adopted, they are placed as a son. They're placed as a son or a daughter. This is the, the reason why we are called children of God. That's why we sang that song earlier. And that's why we can say I've been adopted. He, he's taken me in. he actually calls me his child. He calls me his child. Galatians 4, 7 says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We, we have an inheritance because we've been placed in as a child. You know, I love your children, but I really love my children. There are some days I want to sell them, but no, no, I really love my children. And, and don't your children, they get they get just this favor, you know. There's just this love that you have for them. There's this compassion that you have for your children that you can't even you can't even describe. I mean, I I love my kids. And I saw a video the other day that somebody posted about a kid that was adopted and it was on the news. and, And you just saw this little girl and the lady comes in and she tells her she's like, guess what? They did it. They signed the papers. And the little girl jumps up and she runs and she's just holding on and crying and they're kissing and loving each other. And and, and it should feel that way. It should feel that way that God has adopted us. That we want to just jump into his arms and grab hold of him. And I'm a child now. It says that we're co-heirs with Christ Jesus. You know what that means? We get the same inheritance. We get the same inheritance. God is that good to us that he wants to lavish his love upon us. It says in love He predestined us. It was his love that he decided, you know what? I want to adopt that one. I want that one to be my child. And I want to just speak these things over you today that you're chosen. You're adopted. You've become a child of God. When you say yes to Jesus, that's what happens in your life. When you become part of the family, that's why we call ourselves the family of God, because we're all children of God together. You realize God has no grandchildren, only children. We are his children. We are his heirs. And we stand with that inheritance of all the incredible things that God has in store for us. We can't even fathom or imagine what he has for us. The next verse. Says to the praise and glory, glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse seven says in him we have redemption. Everyone say redemption. redemption. That's the hour of the cares. Redemption through his blood in the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. He lavished it on us. Redemption. I want to tell you today you're redeemed. You're redeemed. Being redeemed means we're bought with a price. Being redeemed means that Jesus, what he did on the cross was final. When he said it is finished. At that moment, he redeemed us by his blood. And and it sounds gory and stuff to talk about the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus is still powerful. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that gives us the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a sacrifice. They had to slay an animal. And then maybe it would be a year before they would slay another animal. And then they would slay another one. And they just keep... Killing off the animals and and spilling the blood and and bringing their sacrifice to the Lord. But honestly, it was only just for a little bit. And it was only just for a little bit. And then it was only just for a little bit. And they had to keep going back and keep going back. But John, John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was speaking prophetic. That's the Lamb. That's going to be the lamb that's going to be slain. And and we see that and we think about that, that that he went to the cross for me in the Garden of Gethsemane. He he knelt down. He was kneeling down, crying tears of blood because it was so tough. He knew that he was about to endure the hardest, torturous death ever. But he did it for you. For you individually. He did it for his church collectively. But for you, it's like he said, Darlene. You know what? He sat in that garden. He said, Darlene, I'm going to do this for you. Chris, I want to do this for you. I realize that there's got to be a price to pay for the sin. You can't have forgiveness without the redemption. You can't have forgiveness without the blood of Jesus. You can't have forgiveness without that thought that that he died for me. And the best illustration I can think of is. This little boy, he, he, he builds this little boat. Again, here's the boat metaphor, but it's the shipwreck. But the, the, this little boy, he builds a boat and he painstakingly, he takes his time. He even paints it. He, he makes it really nice. He puts a little sail on it and, and really just to the point where he, he just carves his initials in it. He decides, you know what, I'm going to take this out. I'm going to put it in the water and let's see how this thing goes. And he puts it in the water at the lake and he has this little string that's attached to it. And he watches as the sails lift up and the wind starts filling it and it starts moving and it starts going. And he's so excited as he watches this thing begin to sail and and take off. But then all of a sudden a gust of wind comes and it snaps his rope. And he sees it as it begins to go off into the distance and he's running after this thing and he's freaking out saying like, no, 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 my boat, my boat. And it's running away and it just it goes down the current and then all of a sudden it's gone. It goes out of sight. He can't see it. He's just so discouraged and he goes home and he tells his parents and his parents say, well, maybe you can maybe you can just make another boat. And he said, no, that that's my boat. I I want my boat. And he's just so discouraged. The next day he goes into town and as he's going into town, he passes a second hand store and he sees a boat in the window and he's like, wow, that looks like my boat. And he walks on by, he does a double take. It was his boat. Somebody must have found it. And they, and they, and they gave it to this guy and they, they sold it. And he's so excited. He runs into the store and he sees the manager and he says, you know what? That's my boat. That's my boat. I'm so happy that you found it. I, I'm going to take my boat. He's like, no, no, you can't take that. I, I bought, I bought that. Like you, you need to, you need to buy this. You need to buy this thing. The boy's all discouraged. Oh, I, I just want to buy. I just want this boat. This is my boat. Look, it's got my initials on it. And he says, no, I'm sorry, son. You got to buy this thing. And he goes home and he scrounges up all his money, all of his change, everything that he has. And he puts it all together and he has just enough for it, just enough. And so he he takes this money back to the store and, and he buys this boat and he is so excited He hands him the money and and he's got his boat back and he leaves the store and he's holding it and he's just squeezing it. And he says this to his boat He says, Now you are twice mine. I made you and now I bought you. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. God made us, He fashioned us. It says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You weren't an accident. You aren't here by accident. He created you for purpose on purpose because he loves you and he's destined you for great things. But you have to come to the understanding that you are twice his. You are twice his. He loves you that much that he would he would bankrupt heaven for you. He loves you that much that he would he would pull in the incredible resources of heaven and he would say, I'm going to I'm going to put it all. I'm going to put it all on the table for you. Because you're chosen because I want to adopt you because because I realize that you need forgiveness for your sins. That's the only way that we get forgiveness of sins is through the redemption that was done on the cross. That's the only way. The next the E in the in the phrase here. It says in verse eight. That he lavished on us with all wisdom And understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. He made known to us. The E stands for enlightened. Enlightened. Now I don't mean enlightened in terms of of some nirvana or, or reaching some stage of spiritual acuity or something like that. I'm talking about the fact that God has given us a perspective into the spiritual. He's given us a spiritual awareness in his, in his word, but, but more so through his spirit. We can see things that, that we couldn't have seen before. And, and I have no idea why this story popped into my head right now. But, but imagine for a second that my mom, I love her. She's, she's no longer with us, but. We used to go to a Catholic church growing up and we were sitting in a, in a service and, and a mass and, and my mom had just gotten her new glasses. She got her new glasses and she was all excited to have these new glasses and she could see so much better. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the priest, maybe for the first time in my life. <laughs> but I was listening to the priest actually for once and I was paying attention like she tells me to do. Quit bothering your sister, you know? But, but she puts on her glasses and I'm standing, I'm just looking this way, and all of a sudden, I see my mom going like this. Lift up glasses. <laughs> and I look over, just look at her kind of weird, like, what the? And I see her again, she's taking her glasses. Lift up I'm back down. I said, Mom, what are you doing? She goes, my goodness, Chris, you really do have a lot of acne. <laughs> I was like, Mom, you are so embarrassed. She's like, wow, you can really, I can really see clearly with all this. You really do. You are the most embarrassing mom ever. Oh, so now I get to embarrass my kids because she embarrassed me. But but anyway, that's what it's like, though, whenever we come to Christ. It's almost like he puts on our spiritual glasses. It gives us a, a perspective. You know, in the spiritual, we can almost see the promises of God. We can see in the spiritual the end point. How, how many of us know sometimes like what I'm looking at in the natural doesn't really describe what I know is happening in the spiritual? That's because we have the enlightenment. We have the spirit of God that's in us that that shows us things that we couldn't even ask or imagine. I mean, he, he wants to show us so much more. That's what we do when we enter into prayer, not just throwing down, you know, God, do this. God, do that. God, do this. No, God, show me. Show me what you're doing in this scenario, God. Show me, uh, give me a picture of what you're doing. Show me the promise. And when we see that way, that's why people can't understand because we, we go by faith and not by sight. And God gives us that faith. It says that it's a gift from him and then we can, we can utilize that faith and we can grab hold of something that, that isn't even a natural reality. but it's because it's in the supernatural. Because we serve a supernatural God, and that's what he's done for us as the children of God, because we're chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed, and he wants to enlighten us. He wants to illuminate us, you know, with sight, sight requires light. Jesus is the light to our spiritual sight. We need him and we need him to show us the way he was the perfect image of God on this earth. And, and everything that we see in his word is super clear on how he lived his life. And he's given us something to, to walk after. But Jesus is the light that illuminates our spiritual sight. He wants to give you that vision because you are chosen. You are adopted. You are redeemed. And I'm going to say these things over and over because we need to understand that. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying in this. He's taking one breath in. And he's saying, this is who you are. This is who God's called you to be. Now, I want to take you down I want to read to you from verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Everybody say seal. seal. The promised Holy Spirit who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit sealed with the Holy Spirit. The term seal actually in, in the word of God is, is kind of like what's on a letter or on a package. They would seal it. They would stamp it. They would say, you know what? This is genuine. This is guaranteed. This is, this is approved. And it talks about the ownership of, of the package. And it says, this is, this is mine. This is my package. I've sealed it. You are signed, sealed, and about to be delivered. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to know that you are sealed. That, that he's given, it, it says in God's word that he's given us the, the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as a down payment, as saying, you know what, I'm going to give you this, and it's just going to give you a glimpse into the more. The Spirit of God is what leads us, and when we're led by the Spirit of God, we, we walk in the more. We walk in the things that God, never, I, I would have never imagined I'd be up on this platform sharing from the word of God for you. If you would have told me this 10 years ago, people would have laughed at you and maybe spit at you because it doesn't make any sense. But God has so much more in store and he still has so much more. It's because when you walk in his spirit and when you see the steps that he's ordained before us and that you walk in those steps, the spirit has sealed you. He is guaranteeing your deliverance. He's saying you are chosen, you are adopted, you are redeemed, you're enlightened, and you're sealed. You are sealed. Some of us, we don't walk that way. Some of us, we don't tap into the fact that the spirit, it says in in the next couple verses that, that that is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That is the spirit that lives within us. He is that powerful. He is that mighty. He is that strong. It says that that, that was his might that he exerted to, to basically God just flexed his muscles and he said, watch what I can do. Watch what I can do. And three days later, he came out of the grave because of the Holy Spirit, his spirit, the spirit of God. It is the spirit of Jesus. It is the spirit of Jesus that dwells within our hearts. And and when you you wonder and you think, God, what are you doing? All of a sudden, the spirit of God, you can tap into it and he can begin to pull you. You know, the fact that a lot of us, we just continue striving towards something. We just want to strive and strive and strive. And doesn't it get tired striving? Don't you get tired of that? The spirit wants to pull you. The spirit of God, it's the guarantee you have the deposit in you and he wants to pull you towards your inheritance. He loves you that much that he would seal you and he would say, that is mine. And I guarantee it's genuineness. That's a holy and blameless, And I don't feel holy and blameless. Well, he knows in his sight that you are holy and blameless because of what he did on the cross. That's why Paul is breathing this out. Like, I can't, I can't believe that God did this for me. He chose me. I'm his treasured possession. I'm adopted. You mean I'm a child of God? You mean I'm a co-heir with Christ? You mean I stand in the same line as Christ in terms of inheritance? I mean, I don't get anything less. It says every spiritual blessing. I'm redeemed. You mean the blood of Jesus has taken away my sins for good? He sees me as holy and blameless because of what He did on the cross. Yes. You mean I'm enlightened? You mean He's given me illumination into the spiritual realm to see? And and that is not a weird thing. Let me tell you. To see in the spirit. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I see something in the spirit. It's like God is calling you on the inside and, and, and you have that just that thought, just that thing that sits in your heart and you can't describe it. You can't describe it because it's God. <laughs> it's undescribable. but it's almost like he pulls you into something. Uh, my wife had chemo on Thursday. There's a pastor friend of mine that volunteers there. He, he's not a pastor anymore. Once a pastor, always a pastor, in my opinion. He, he comes there and he volunteers and he came, comes up sometimes and we talk and chat while, while she's sitting there. And he said, hey, let me go invite you over to meet somebody. And we walk over and uh, there's a there's a Muslim man there with his wife and he's getting chemo. And, and this other pastor, he, he, he's built quite a relationship with this guy. And, and the guy actually has invited him over to his house for dinner and things like that. And he puts his arm around me and he says, this is Chris. This is that pastor I was telling you about. And, and we just hit it off and we just start talking. And he's telling me about all the things of his life. And, 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 and he keeps telling me like, like Fred, like this, your, your friend Fred here, there's something about him that's different. There's something about him. I mean, he's got like a knowledge that I can't even understand. I mean, there's something about him. And, and I said, you know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And I started sharing my testimony with him and just telling him where I was because he knew that I had some medical knowledge. So I started telling him, yeah, I was originally going to go to medical school and I actually took my MCATs and we started talking and then I shared how I I had fallen so low and then my mom passed away and then I started sharing how God had lifted me so high (laughs) and he was still lifting me higher and he says, you mean your wife is here? And and you're acting like this? Yes, because I know who I am. Because he's already called me. He's purposed me. He's chosen me. He's adopted me. He's redeemed me. He gives me sight. And he has sealed me. So I am guaranteed deliverance. Guaranteed deliverance. Now, this next section, Paul says, for this reason, starting in verse 15. For this reason now when you see for this reason in the word of God it, it almost is like therefore so you have to look at what came before so he takes this big breath and he shares oh my gosh God is incredible he cares about you he loves you you are his you're his child and he shares all these things and then, and then he prays this prayer and I want to read this whole prayer to you and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make some things clear here it says for this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. Now look at this verse. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He wants you to know him more. More than you did today walking in here. Every single day should be a, a mountain step up knowing him more. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order so you may know the hope to which he has called you. The, glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's a lot of filling in every and knowing more. There is so much more in store that we can't even think, ask, or imagine. God wants so much more for us. And yes, a lot of this stuff I just went over is theological. But Paul didn't start with the practical because you can't start with the practical. You need to know who you are. He is praying to these people. These are faithful people. It says in in the this. First verse, to God's holy people, the faithful in Christ. These are faithful people. But he's saying, no, 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 I'm praying that you know him more. That every single day you step into a new revelation of who he is. That he gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And as I sat in my office this week thinking about you and praying for you, that is the prayer I continually pray. That you would fully grasp and that you would understand in your hearts that God does care. He cares for you. He sees you as chosen. He's you're a treasured possession. You're treasured. You're adopted. You're you're a child of God. And we can stand in the the inheritance of that, every spiritual blessing. He has it all in store for us. He's redeemed us by the blood, the blood of the Lamb that covers all of our sins. You know, I was pretty sinful, (laughs) but he has covered me with his blood to the point that he sees me as holy and blameless. Are you kidding me? Chris Merrill? I bet people will be watching the singers and be like, Chris Merrill? Is that the same, that the same one? No, because it says I'm a new creation. It says I once was dead and now I'm alive. That's how incredible our God is. He wants to enlighten us. He wants to give us a vision into the spiritual Realm. He wants to give us an even more uh, spiritual acuity, spiritual awareness of what he's doing in your life. Have you ever felt like you're just being pushed down and pushed down, but there's something in you that's welling up and welling up? That's Jesus. That's Jesus beginning to illuminate things in your heart and showing you things that you had never seen before. And he has sealed us. He loves us that much that he would take his seal of approval and he would stamp your life. I want you to take that acronym home. I want you to take that home and every single day when you wake up, you say, God cares. This is who I am and everything that comes against you. You breathe out one sentence that says, God loves me. He cares for me. And I want to understand today, even more than yesterday, how much he loves me. That's why I wanted to sing some intimate songs today. Jesus, we love you. It's that simple. That's why we sing out, it is who who you say I am. Because sometimes everybody else is trying to tell you who you are. But when you stand in the fact that he cares for you and that he loves you, there's nothing that can come against you. There is nothing in the physical world that can tear you down. Nothing. Your body may be deteriorating right now, but it says your spirit is being renewed day by day. That is something that the devil can't touch. That is something that, that inwardly it happens and then outwardly you see physical expressions of his miracles. Physical expressions of his goodness. Now I wanted to ask today, how many, how many of you have been serving the Lord for five years, over five years? How many, how many 20 years? Yeah. How many over 30 years? Wow. Praise God. Let's give a hand and clap for that. Well, I want to read you something in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2. And it says this to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write: These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work. Your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. And have not grown weary. 30 years later. This is Jesus writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. He's writing it to the same church that Paul wrote this letter. Telling them who they were. Telling them that they've been chosen, adopted, redeemed, enlightened, sealed. He's telling them. This, and he sends this letter and he says, listen, I can see your deeds. 30 years later, I can see everything that you're doing. I can see that you're persevering and you're not growing weary. And you'd sit there going, yeah, 30 years of this. I can do this. This is awesome. And then the next verse. Yet. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen, repent, and do the things you did at first. Now I find in my walk with the Lord, as I trek down the path that he has for me, I can forget that he cares. I can get so focused on the deeds and I realized this week as, as I'm praying and when I build a relationship with my wife, I got to take her on a date. Without the kids. <laughs> but you know what happens when you go on a date sometimes and you have children? You talk about the kids. And how many of us in our prayer life sometimes are too busy talking about the kids? Too worried about what everybody else is doing in their relationships and their concerns, and there is no power in our prayers unless we know the one who we're praying to. I find in my life that, that I need to go on dates with Jesus. That I think I have everything figured out. And I bet a lot of you, I, I will bet money that a lot of you sat here and you heard these words that I said, and you, you've you heard them preached before. You've heard whole series on being chosen. You've heard... All kinds of great sermons. And maybe you've read God's word over and over again. But never let it be. Just that. Ne- never just be opening it up just to do it. The whole reason why we have the word of God is because this is the character of God. This is who he says he is. Not only that, it's who he says you are. And when you stand in that authority, when you stand in that authority. My challenge to those of you who have been serving the Lord is to go back and to read that again. He says, I pray that you will know him better. That means there is more. It means God has more in store for you. That just because you heard my cool acronym, <laughs> you, you, you got to figure it out now. I told you at the beginning, God's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. We can never figure him all out on this side of heaven. But we can get deeper in love with him. We can get deeper in love with him. It says to do the things you did at first. That doesn't mean to do. That doesn't mean if you're you're preaching up here that that suddenly you have to go back to ground zero when it comes to your serving. But what it does mean is that you have to understand who he says you are. What it does mean is that you have to understand that, that Jesus is your first love but that's what we do it all for. Now if we go back to Ephesians 2 for a minute, the most theological statements we see from verse 4 through verse 9 and it says but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 9 or verse 8 says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This church, they slipped up after 30 years. They started the works. They started getting into the children obey your parents. (laughs) But they forgot what they needed to know at first. You know, faith is an interesting thing, because in my mind, Real faith is almost like us reaching our hand towards heaven. He's got all these heavenly blessings, all these spiritual blessings in heaven. And faith is us reaching our hand up for those things. But you know what the devil wants to do? He wants to grab your hand and put it back down at your side. Then he's succeeded. And all those heavenly blessings just stay right where they're at in heaven. They're available, but it's by faith that we reach up. It's by faith that we press on. And it's by his grace. His grace is beyond our understanding. It is so good. His grace is amazing. His grace is so amazing that he would call us and that he would love us. We could have gone to the commands first here in God's word. We could have easily gone to the commands and talked about the practical steps. But faith doesn't follow commands. Faith follows promises. The Apostle Paul even says in Romans, I desire to do what is good and right, but I cannot do it. He's like, I desire all these things. Like, I want to practically live all this stuff out, but I can't can't do it in my own power. I realize I am powerless by myself. But by faith, we reach out and I don't know what you are going through today. I'm going through my own things and I'm sure you're going through yours. But I want you to just take a moment and just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand up towards heaven for a minute. And I want to pray over you. I want to pray a prayer of faith. God, we reach up today. And we recognize, Lord, that, that you are so faithful. You are so just. Your grace abounds. And God, we reach up today by faith because we want to take hold of our identity And the spiritual blessings that you have. And God, I just know that that you want to give us so much more. That there is so much more in store. That that it says in in Peter, God, that that it never spoils or fades. God, the things, our inheritance, it's never spoiling. It's never fading. And all we have to do is we reach out in faith. Not by sight. In faith. And God, today for your holy people, God, I just pray that, that you would give them faith. To see beyond the natural. God, as they raise their hands right now, I'm going to speak this over them. God, I speak that that they are chosen, that you see them as a treasured possession, that they're adopted, that they're a child of God, that they they have the inheritance that's the same as Jesus Christ. God, I, I thank you that they are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God, I thank you that they can stand in that redemption and then that forgives their sins that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God, I just pray that you would continue to enlighten them, that you would give them a a spiritual perspective in the circumstances that they find themselves in. And God, I pray that today they recognize that they are signed, that they are sealed by the power of your Holy Spirit, that all they need to do is begin to tap into your spirit. God, I thank you that that our faith is honestly a gift. God, I know that you want to give us more. But I recognize that some of us don't feel like we're walking in the more today. Some of us don't feel like there is more that we've been eking out the same existence for so long. But I know who you say we are and God, I I pray that they stand in that identity that they leave here, realizing that you have so much more in store for them, that every need you will provide that every sickness there is healing. That there is still power in your blood to cover over a multitude of sins. You can put your hands back down. I want to just say a a prayer towards those that, that have been faithful in Christ. Lord, I just pray that today they recognize that that it's all about you. Jesus, we love you. It's the first thing, and it will always be the first thing. Your gospel is not confusing. We don't have to have a lot of knowledge to know that you love us. And God, I pray for the faithful, those that have been serving the Lord for years and years. And I pray this week, Lord, that that they have an encounter with you like they've never had before. Because there is more. We haven't figured it out yet. God, lift them higher by your grace. Lift them higher by your grace. In Jesus' name. Now, would you all stand with me today? I want to encourage you as we close this service that that we will be available to pray for you. These altars are always open. Always open. We are always willing to pray over your needs. Always. Always. That's why in God's word, it says that we're to intercess for people. (laughs) We're to stand in the gap. Amazing thing is, that's what Jesus is doing in heaven right now. He's already intercessing for you. But the cool thing is. He knows who you are. I want you to know who you are. I want you to have a deeper revelation of, of this. My challenge for you this week is to read this again. Read it again. If it doesn't sink in, read it again. (laughs) If it doesn't sink in, read it again. Because this is who he says we are. And with every breath in, we can blow this out. Every circumstance that comes against us, it's like you take an orange and you squeeze it. It's not apple juice that comes out. When you squeeze a Christian, it should be Christ. It should be Christ Jesus. As I pray, if you have a need that you want us to pray for, I want you to come forward and we'll pray for your needs. Lord, I thank you for today, God. I thank you for the power of your spirit that is at work within us. And God, I know that your spirit is drawing us closer. That we are chosen, we're adopted, we're redeemed, we're enlightened. And God, we are sealed by your spirit. And God, may we walk in that identity as we leave this church today. And God, there's 167 more hours of this week. But we will still stand in the fact that you care for us. And you love us. And that you work all things for good for those who are called to your purpose. And that love you, God. And God, the first thing, we want to put the first thing first this week. That we love you just take a moment and just give him praise for a minute. God, we worship you. You're good. You're faithful.